Welcome to Rise Smile Films, the film review podcast that mixes cinema with fine spirits. Journey with us as we encounter new, old, and strange films with the occasional dabble into sports and music. Proceed with caution as these podcasts feature spoilers and some mature language. This is Matt. And this is Jesse. Today on TAP, we have Rocky II starring Sylvester Stallone, Talia Shire, Burt Young, Burgess Meredith, and Carl Weathers, written and directed by Sylvester Stallone. Welcome back to Rye Smile Films. It's time to continue on with this Rocky franchise review cast. And up next, round number two, Rocky II from 1979. Originally titled uh, in my research, Rocky II The Redemption. I was kind of glad they did just just leave it as is. Rocky II, that, that's enough. It's enough. Uh, but yeah, we just finished watching it in there. Now, Matt, last week you said um, you'd seen Rocky one probably more than any other film you've seen. How many times have you seen this one? A lot, about <laughs> half as many as Rocky one, about <laughs> half. So if Rocky one is somewhere in the neighborhood of fifty, this is probably twenty ish. Okay. So a lot, but not as much as Rocky one. Yeah, I'm trying to remember. I'm trying to remember like the order that I saw these in because it was all messed up. I think it was like four two. One, three, five, like it was, I, I saw it all backwards. Four is a good starting place. It is, yeah, that's like, it really throws you into it uh, fast. But let's go ahead and get started with our nightcap, or sorry, let's go get started with our flight question. Very oh, good. Pro- so good. appropriate opening credit music, like the tail end of the 70s, the end of disco, and it almost has like a disco-y funk feel to it. So everybody out there, I'm going to give you a gift that's not podcast proper per film. In the next version of whatever the Rocky franchise takes, Creed 3, mm-hmm. which has already been rumored to have Deontay Wilder attached to play Clubber Lang's son, that same score needs to be done by a contemporary band known as the Monophonics. Mm. If you do not know who the Monophonics are, you're welcome. Get on iTunes immediately. Yeah. It is they are such a proper funk contemporary. Yeah, I know exactly what and, you're talking about. And Conti's terrific in this. Yeah, that that's opening sequence is so good. Yeah. Music wise, oh. I'm stepping on your toes. This is your space here, but yeah, well, man, well, I, I even made a mention to you. Let's talk about it in the film because yeah, right. there's there's a lot to say with every musical cue that's used in this film. Okay, but Rocky II, 1979, picking up directly where film one ends. In fact, we get a nice little recap of film one. That reminds me of like the Jason movies because like Friday the Thirteenth parts two, three, four. Like you get like a nice little recap of the one before in case you're coming in late, but. Other sequels have uh, tried to do this same kind of uh, concept of taking place immediately seconds after we uh, fade to black on film one. So my question to you to kind of start this thing off is uh, what's your other favorite film that um, tries this technique with its sequel? So we can try to be a little cute here or I can try to incite some uh, questions or inspire some viewership in the people that are listening. Sure. And then there's just address Mm -hmm. the elephant in the room. Yeah. We're probably going to have the same one here. Hmm. Maybe, maybe not. We'll see. Look, man, 
I'd like to tell you it's The Godfather, but sequentially that kind of fits and kind of doesn't. And there's a time gap there. Yeah, and then like that sort of book ended with before like Vito, Young Vito, mm-hmm. and all. So I don't know if that really plays. That that's great sequels, but man, it's got to be The Empire Strikes Back. I mean, that is so obvious. That's on the tee and swinging. And I, I, I'm just not going to outthink myself on this one. Yeah. I'm not going to try to be kitschy or smart or, oh, I didn't think about th- No, like for me, I'm going as on the nose as you can get. Like, yeah. That to me is the best sequential second entry. Yeah. Empire Strikes Back. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, Are you going the same way? I guess a little bit. Uh, yeah, I tried to think of, you know, something that takes place immediately, just like right after, you know, you have Halloween two, uh, that takes place, you know, literally seconds after with Loomis going downstairs and he's like, I shot him six times. I shot him in the hot and literally continuing the night of, of Halloween, this night from hell back to the future. Part two literally picks up with them, um, with the flying DeLorean going into the future this time. I'm going to pick an entry from the same franchise, but I'm actually going to pick with a film that actually ended up pretty highly on my Star Wars ranking, and that's actually Star Wars The Last Jedi. I think when you look at the totality of how Force Awakens ends with the uh, handing out of the lightsaber to Luke Skywalker and then the Resistance trying to bail from the First Order's attacks, I mean, you're talking about mere hours of like time in between those two films and then there there was a significant time gap between jedi and last skywalker that probably hurts the film more than anything true but yeah i'm gonna kind of go with that like there's there's just something to that just immediately just kind of continuing on like you know when you see films like harry potter there's like a summer break gap in between those movies there was one other that was close to me and i know this is more in your annals of all-time greats than mine, although I love it too, you love it more. Mm. It's the Two Towers or Twin Towers, um, Tolkien. Yeah, Lord of the Rings. You know... Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, that one's it's just... It's a nice passing of the baton right into the next one. And it's... I almost feel like it's a little bit of thievery to use books that have been turned into movies because books are written that way. Mm-hmm. But... Yeah, there's a couple real obvious ones, but I think Star Wars does a good job when they get it right. When they don't, that's another story, but when they get it right, Mm -hmm. and I think your choice with the second one's a little more controversial. I also like that movie, but I know that a lot of people don't share that same um, opinion that you and I do. We both like that movie. Yeah, that's that's a hot hot button issue in that fandom, yeah. But like Star Wars itself does a really good job of canon and continuity. I think what's also crazy about that movie too, is it's essentially just one long chase sequence in space. Yeah. It's kind of like what Mad Max did is like a chase film and it's literally the resistance in this one ship. And they're just like slowly being followed by the first order. And it's about like all kind of the stuff that happens in between that. And I think that's why I really liked the film. It felt like a smaller star Wars film that was expanding on the ideas presented in the other one. And I actually like the ideas that Ryan Johnson brought to that franchise that totally got undone in the next one yeah <laughs> like totally another honorable mention would be sarah marshall and get him to the Greek. never mind no yeah could have been that could, had they kept what that was and should have been it could have been but somehow that got screwed up because that was supposed to be aldous and matt yeah and their story and it kind of was but that's just not a, in the same world that's just a dropped baton there on the track yeah. <laughs> you know, it makes me think of another one, actually, because another kind of natural 
direct into the next one is actually 21 to 22 Jump Street. The <laughs> first one ends like, you guys are going to college. And then like we pick up kind of right with that. Yeah, uh, yeah no, it's it's interesting. Not a lot of sequels can do that. They like to have like, yeah, you mentioned yeah, Godfather. And why I like Godfather Part 2 is because of the time passage. Mm-hmm. Picking up five years later with Michael Corleone and everything he's built upon in the meantime, like he's really asserted himself in this seat of power from the end of film one to film two juxtaposed nicely with the rise of, of his father and his humble beginnings. That film's a masterpiece on another level though. <laughs> True. <laughs> uh, all right. Excellent. Yeah, that's, that's great. I can't wait to, to, to get into Rocky here and talk about that, but yeah, what are some of your favorites? You know, infinity war into end game kind of theoretically is a, con- a direct continuation too of, Picking up with Tony Stark in the ship, like it's like an immediate passage right there. And then they do the time jump too, which probably hurts the film. I say, yeah, the problem with that argument is one of those is good and the other one isn't. Yeah. So that's a little shot that I just fired at Marvel. Oh, huh? yeah. This is a controversial episode. Ooh, last, last Jedi and Endgame. There we go. Excellent. I like your choice. I like your choice. Uh, excellent. So let's kind of get right into this thing and our review breakdown of Rocky 2. What do you think you're doing for like the next uh, 40 or 50 years? What do you mean? I was wondering if uh, you wouldn't mind marrying me very much. What'd you say? If you wouldn't mind marrying me too much. Yes. I'd like to marry you. Yeah? Yes. All right, before we get to that, let's start at the beginning. This film has a little bit of everything. It's got the drama, it's got the sports drama, it's got childbirth, it's it's got everything. Like this this film's packed. But let's start at the beginning, our opening title, which I guess Rocky is just pretty much known for its titles just being this wipe of the Rocky name just passing past the screen to the the main theme that bump up a bump up a bump up a bump what I like about this one though is once it passes the two and it and it, it like holds and, and, the, and the guys go Hoo! and then and then it holds that note and it goes like right into the next fight like that's such a great musical transition into the recap of of film one like really good yeah you said it you said it best Bill Conti's music just compliments this film so well. He makes you feel excited when you need to feel excited. He tugs at your heartstrings like in those really uh, emotional moments. Uh, yeah, that's not that's not an easy feat to do in a film score. So yeah, props to him. I think it's a trick to pacing the score to whatever action's happening on the scene. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're gonna have to help me out here. So go to Shawshank mm-hmm. and the rock wall sequence when Red is walking up towards the oak tree where the mm-hmm. letter from Andy is. Oh yeah, that score is. Yeah, I think that's Thomas Newman. I think it is too. Yeah, I'm gonna look it up right now. That. Fits perfectly. Um, I'll give you the train station sequence in Unbreakable. That is Thomas Newman. Good call, Jesse. Yep, yep. To that. Yeah. Guys, that was cold, everybody. <laughs> yeah. That was cold. That was not ready. I didn't prep him. That was cold. Yeah. Give him some love this week. <laughs> not Thomas Newman. I mean, Jesse. Yeah. The, the train station sequence yeah. in Unbreakable where um, David takes on that Christ-like appearance and mm-hmm. that's really well done. It's got to match. The yeah. action has to match, or it's got to be 
a way to tone down whatever might be too hard for the audience to digest in the moment. Mm -hmm. Sometimes that's used in horror. We had to talk about that last week, right? You and me, Mm -hmm. Mike. This is perfect. That funk is of its time. Mm -hmm. It kind of paces that there's some action going. It's interesting enough to set a background without stealing from the action, which is, this is an ambulance taking Rocky to the hospital. That shouldn't really come as a surprise because you see how badly he is beaten in that first fight. Mm -hmm. But it's a very appropriate and of its time and interesting score that I think, I don't want to say exacerbates, maybe illuminates what the impact and significance of the ambulance is. Mm -hmm. Because what we're going to get to after all of the medical stuff is done Mm -hmm. is Rocky's... Yeah, it's his left eye. Left eye, mm-hmm. detached retina or whatever it is, is essentially about 30% less than what it should be with the peripheral vision. Like if you kind of see where Mick's hands are, you can see where the right side gets it versus where the left gets it. Mm-hmm. That's huge because that that brief millisecond is enough to just duck or cover a little bit when you're taking one of that side of your face. And if you can't see it, you're essentially fighting with one eye. Mm-hmm. That's important in this movie. Yeah. That music is interestingly important in this movie because I think it sets a perfect backdrop. Mm-hmm. That's my take on score. This is more your space. So I'm gonna let you run with it. So go. No, yeah, it's uh, yeah. We go right from that little just kind of opening, and then we get our our recap of film one, taking us right to freeze frame of how we ended the last film. Yeah, into this opening credit sequence, which is simply just a an ambulance driving Rocky, but like it sets it sets the beat with a with the kind of like the, the the funk disco nature, and there's a lot of film scores around this time that like went this, like even Bond, yeah, uh, uh, the Spy Who Loved Me's opening kind of uh, track, not the title song, but it's this track called Bond Seventy Seven, and it's like this disco variation on a James Bond theme. But when you're showing like like the, the streets of Philadelphia, and you know you want a nice backdrop to me the rocky theme doesn't work there right and the, the way that theme sounds it it almost kind of sounds like there's some defeat in the way that melody plays out Good. uh yes. so, some defeat but it's not like uh melancholy it's like triumphantly defeated it's triumphantly which is what kind rocky kind of went through right yeah. so yeah that's a perfect segue into this kind of i always love this little opening bit with them in the lobby and Creed just comes in mouth the yap and he's like he wants to finish the fight here in the lobby of the hospital because he's already convinced at this point that you're nothing more than lucky you just got a, a, a few good shots in and like I, I can prove that I can beat you that it was a freak mm-hmm. yeah so yeah they want to finish it right here and Rocky's already decided he's like well I'm officially retired now it's something he probably says once per film exactly <laughs> uh, but uh yeah, and, and that's pretty good. And they go right to work <clears throat> fixing his face. And then you get get a really interesting scene where Rocky goes and visits uh, uh, Apollo in the middle of the night and asks him, Yo, Apollo, are you, are you, it's me, Rocky. He's like, he's like, did, 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 I, did I give you my best shot? Like, did you give me your best? And I, you get a very, I think, honest answer from Chris. He's like, yeah, I gave you, I gave it all to you, like. I love that that happens in the dark behind closed doors too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So there's no the, reporters. Yeah. Yeah. So there's the Apollo Creed who's very promotional and the master marketer of his own concept. I think at one point in the first Rocky, they say that he has like seven or eight nicknames. Mm-hmm. 
that's all self-prescribed. And it speaks to, I don't want to say creed is vain because it's, it, it is vanity, but it's vanity for a purpose. Like he understands what the brand of creed is. Mm-hmm. It's an effective product. He is arguably in the series, the greatest fighter, including Rocky. Like I will contend that no, creed I, is the best fighter in all of Rocky. I, I was thinking that the other, the other day too, I was like, Creed at this point is undefeated. And even after kind of taking the loss in this film, 39 and one, still a pretty good record. And barely one. Yeah, barely. It's, um, that's that's a draw by a millisecond. Missing a draw by. Okay. Yeah. So, no, I, I thought that too. I was like, I always try to play in my in my brain. Maybe we'll do like a shot on this to like wrap up this this whole thing is like, I think Creed could take all of, uh, other than Drago, and we know how that goes, but, like, I think Creed could give Clubber Lang, like, he'd put him into tomorrow, Tommy the Machine Gun, he'd put him into to tomorrow, like, uh, finesse and skill-wise, he's the best fighter in this franchise. He's so slick, tailored after a young to middle part, Cassius Clay, Muhammad Ali, that sort of fighting, and even the the, the rhetoric around the microphone. But he knows what his product is, mm-hmm. and he's not afraid to let the people that are interested in his product get the full product, the nickname, the shtick, the shucking and jiving. And he's got the the gams to back it up. Mm -hmm. What's really interesting is from the end of the first fight, Creed tells Rocky, there's not going to be a rematch. Rocky replies, don't want one. Mm -hmm. From them leaving the ring to the wheelchairs in the lobby, somehow that has turned into Creed processing that quickly Mm -hmm. to... Stand up and let's finish this right now. He's already gone into promotion mode. And what's important about what you said, yeah. when the cameras are off, yeah. when there's no reporters, and it's just mano he's, y mano. He's honest, yeah. And this is what, one of the, I think, great pieces in Creed's character. He is the villain in film one and two. Mm-hmm. But when Rocky asks him, did you give me your best? When it's just in the quiet stillness of the two of them in the hospital, mm-hmm. Baird sends Baird raw. Yeah. broken mm-hmm. the answer is yes and it creates with us the viewer a likable component to creed there yeah. is some humanity mm-hmm. behind the glam and the glitz it's yep. an important important 30 seconds in this series in the whole goddamn franchise it's yeah. huge yeah I, i'm gonna argue mm-hmm. that scene that you just mentioned mm-hmm. might be the most important bit until Rocky and Creed have it out in three over him not being able to get his ass in gear to fight Lang because he's scared. Mm -hmm. Up to that point, and arguably including that point, this might be the most defining part in their entire relationship. Yeah, this is uh, this is important because it's about respect, isn't it? Yeah, and as we we're gonna kind of get into Creed's already like you mentioned from leaving the ring to arriving at the hospital, he has to have been with the reporters and all the media he's had to deal with. He's already hearing it. He's like that. That guy didn't beat you, or uh, that guy beat you. You didn't win evenly. The fix was in. Who'd you pay off? Yeah, he's already hearing the 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 peanut gallery saying like, "Man, like you didn't win that fight." And so there's all this doubt about his skill and that notch. It, like it's almost like that fight needs an asterisk next to it, saying, "Yeah, maybe you didn't kind of win that." And his whole thing's gonna be, and unless I fight him again and put him down, there are always gonna be doubts about that one fight. It's just protection of the brand that has become what Creed defines himself by. Creed's a good fighter. Mm-hmm. 
but he's at 38 no prior to this first Rocky fight. I don't think that's the number. But what, like, okay, but let's. I like what you said. Let's stay with that. It's high, yeah. Well, he's never even been knocked down, so I'm going to assume he's never lost either. Mm-hmm. He doesn't even get knocked down until the first fight with Rocky. Mm-hmm. Like, never been off of his feet. Oh, yeah, he's got a perfect record. So <laughs> he's dropped a lot of people in the ring mm-hmm. and have been wildly successful. Yep. There's a little bit of a blemish on that fine suit of very polished armor now. Mm-hmm. And by God, he's going to get a new piece of metal to replace it with. And he's got to use Rocky's hide in a rematch to replace that scar. Sure. So I think this also does one other thing and it shows Creed's pretty smart. Mm-hmm. He may be arrogant. Yeah. That's kind of his downfall in the first one. Mm-hmm. And this is also, as Rocky II was maybe titled The Redemption, I would argue it's Creed's redemption. attempt at redemption too. Yeah, yeah, why not? You all saw the first fight. Mm-hmm. We saw it too. Mm-hmm. We were ringside, yep. right? Creed wins that fight. Yep. I don't care what anybody says. Yeah. He beats the shit. Like Rocky has some shots yeah. and he gives it too, but Rocky gets it much more than he gives it. Mm-hmm. And that's the whole point of the first fight. Mm-hmm. I just want to go the distance. I'm not going to beat this guy. I'll be lucky to you know, make it 12 rounds. No one's ever done it. That's my singular goal. Mm-hmm. Creed beats the hell out of Rocky. Yeah, yeah. Aside from that first, the first round, I think, is where Rocky knocks Creed down for the first time. Yeah. I think the scoring might be like 11 to 1. I don't know who the hell the judge was that saw that in Rocky's favor. But anyway, that's a long dissertation on, I think, what for me makes Creed an important, understandable villain a likable villain with a cause or a goal that's relatable and not so far fetched that it becomes I'm going to destroy the world and take it over. Yeah. Okay. That's all I've talked a lot. Oh no, yeah. Go. No, that's, that's, that's all great because then the film spends the next, I mean, we should have taken, taken out a stopwatch to kind of should've. time it because right. maybe for a minute, 10 to an hour, maybe, or maybe 50 minutes, we spend a good chunk of time. I think this is why I like this film so much rocky post fight and everything that he's trying to set up after this so first thing i want adrian to marry me that little clip that i played here at the beginning and then um obviously got a pretty decent payout from his um from his fight here but man because of his lack of education his lack of understanding of finances rocky's in desperate need of a financial advisor in this instance because he just goes on this spending spree kind of buying crap too yeah do you like that jacket with the tiger on the back? Uh, yeah, not really. I wouldn't wear that. It fits him. Yeah. No, yeah. But a car that he doesn't even know how to drive. Three watches. Watches, and I think they, they make the joke. He's like, I, I can't tell time very good, but okay, I'll take a watch too. Uh, it's just frivolous things. And then by the time they get to the house, like Adrian's like really, well, you know, the interest rate on that house alone was obscene. Nine and a half. You and me were both lying on the floor. Nine and a half. What a great pass. Yeah, what is that? Like $5,000 a month Jesus. payment? <laughs> 1200 square feet yeah it's a tiny little place but like at that point they're kind of like yeah i'm kind of we're kind of out of out of money already and like we can't just like afford to just coast on by and then we find out that adrian's pregnant so in the midst of all this we get a lot going on we got we're getting married then we're going to start a family then we're going to kind of try and set up some type of life you matt you know what this reminded me of a lot and this is why that other film's so brilliant too but it reminded me of that opening 20 minutes of Spider-Man 2 where we're going to show Peter Parker's like worst day on earth. Like yeah. can't catch a break, can't catch this, can't catch that. And we kind of get the similar thing in that we get to show Rocky with some wins, some life, um, 
some notches in the life belt, getting married, going to start a family, this and that. But then he gets dealt all these blows too uh, in the in the in the battle with life. Uh, no one's going to hire you because the last grade you finished was ninth. You didn't even finish high school, and a desk job's not for you. Why don't you seek out manual labor, or better yet, why don't you fight? And I'm like, well, I'm trying to get away from all that. And this this just kills me. He tries to go into advertising. Maybe I can bank in on my name. I'm being the guy that went the distance with Creed. And he can't even read the cue cards that they wrote for him. And it's just an overly frustrating thing for him. Like, there's no way for him to make money unless it is with the boxing glove. And it's a sad realization that he goes to in that 40 minutes of, we started out pretty on top. And now we're kind of dipping down again, dipping down. Now we're struggling. Now Adrian has to go back to work. And she's pregnant just to make ends meet and I'm chucking beef here and they can't even afford to keep me on because they have to let guys go. He has no work to turn, but the ring. Like I like that. Like it's a pretty long <laughs> chunk of this film, but it really, it really hammers in the, the, the fact that, you know, with athletics and man, they might pay you big, but unless you plan accordingly, like that'll go in a second. So I need you to fill this in for me. Mm. You have A and B. I'll give you A. You got to give me B. Okay. Rocky per genre okay. is defined as a sports movie. Mm-hmm. A. Mm-hmm. Rocky per genre is really a blank B it's movie. A, it's a drama film. Like these are possibly like, romance. Yeah. With the yeah, twinges of romance. But yeah, it's all this trials and tribulation. Like I mean, you just see, like if you thought he it was rough in the first one, it's just as rough in this one too. Like like him. Shucking beef in that in that meat um, locker where Polly works because he gave Polly his old job has to give Polly his car because he can't afford the payments. And when that guy pulls him over and says, "Rock, we got to let you go," he like he's like, "You serious? I thought I was doing pretty good." He's like, "Yeah, you just you don't have the hours in and it's seniority and we, we just got to go." And then for Rocky to say, "Can I finish out the day?" Yeah, sure, go ahead. Oh my god, desperate that kills me. Desperate. Oh, Okay, so last week we, I agree, mm-hmm. last week we made the case that there's a lot of people that are dependent upon rock mm-hmm. for a better version of themselves or life, mm-hmm. but for that to happen, rock has to become a better version of himself, mm-hmm. and mostly that is give up on this kind of half-life that he's leading where he's breaking legs and sort of doing nefarious things to barely make ends meet enough to buy some ding-dongs and turtle food. And then once he can establish that he's something more than doc dockside leg breaker for two bit loan shark, according to Mick mm-hmm. Gazo, Gazo, then he can ascend to the full glory that these others see in him, and in so doing, be the champion that he needs to be domestically. Yep. I'm not even talking sports; I just mean domestically. Mm-hmm. I think this same idea is further played rather early on in this film. Okay, so Rocky leaves the hospital, Adrian in tow. She's still got that awesome red jacket on. Mm-hmm. I think it's just amazing jacket. Mm-hmm. And at this point, what the movie is doing is it's letting us fall in love with their relationship as much as they're already in love with each other. Mm-hmm. We fall in love with Adrian in this movie. This movie's a lot about him and her. Yep. I think this is the best of them. Yep. Okay, so <clears throat> on the way to the, the zoo, where he's going to take her, which is interesting because that's what the guy in the first movie said. You should take simple people or what retards or whatever to ask them. They love the zoo. It's weird that they're going there during the snow. Mm -hmm. 
he's pulled aside by, I think, an agent that's trying to offer him a $300,000 contract to essentially schluck shaving supplies. Mm -hmm. Rocky passes on that because what's more pressing at this moment is attending to his immediate needs in this woman that he's going to ask to marry him. Yep. That's the whole trope of this movie. What's going to come first? The woman that you've made the promise to, in that case, marriage at the zoo, Mm -hmm. a little bit later on, not to get back in the ring, or the ability to provide for her. Yeah. He passes then, and it works out for a little while until he goes through all of the things that you said. Gets fired from the meatpacking plant because he's not a union member. Has to give Polly the car. Too proud to ask Polly for a loan, and I probably wouldn't either because it's Polly. Mm Mm-hmm to where he has to tell Adrian, you have to let me be a man because I'm letting you be a woman. And that's not about I want to get in this ring and fight this guy, but this is the one God-given gift that I have. Mm -hmm. And this is what puts bread on our table. There's also a part of me, Adrian, that really needs to do this. Mm -hmm. You have to let me do it. And she's reluctant, and I understand why, because he's going to come home dead or blind, and neither one of those really suit her with a young baby. Yeah. Yeah, But that same trope, that's the whole premise, I think, of conflict in this movie. Mm -hmm. First movie is him about establishing that he's better than what everyone sees him in. The second is how can he provide and continually provide for those that are dependent upon him. I think it's really explicated, too, in the scene when he goes to visit uh, Mickey again about wanting to get back into fighting. I see. Now you see nothing. Creed would have caved in the whole side of your face. Now forget it, kid. You got the heart, but you ain't got the tools no more. Now forget it. Is that right? That is right. Yeah? Yeah. Well, maybe it's you who ain't got it no more, you know that? Yeah. Huh? Yeah, that's Now look, you didn't even see that coming, did you? No. Well, that was from a broken down pug like me. What do you what do you think the champ would do to you? Oh, hurt me bad. No, he'd hurt you for a minute. Yeah. It's an interesting scene because he's actually going to him for a job. Like, can I come help out around Mighty Mix Jim and kind of, you know, and he's like, Yeah, if you want, but you're like a legend to these guys and you want them shucking the the spit buckets like you can get no respect doing that and but he's got nowhere else to go at least if i can't fight i gotta be around it i think he, yeah he admits to mick i mm-hmm. need it mm-hmm. pug is short for pugilist not mm-hmm. the animal like the dog mm-hmm. but short for pugilist sort of in the slang circles of the squared uh, circle boxing arena and boy mick smacks him a good one mm-hmm. yeah rocky doesn't even see it coming and that's about 600 times slower than Creed is going to bring it with significantly less force. Mm -hmm. I love that that scene includes that (laughs) slap because Mick kind of pops him a good one and Stallone takes it like a champ. And I think two things happen in that one. It shows how committed to this character Burgess Meredith is. They had to have really done that. Oh yeah. Yeah. And number two, how committed to this character Rocky was. Mm -hmm. He gets, I mean, that's a smack man. And they're, you can tell the initial reaction isn't pain. It's embarrassment mm-hmm. or humility. Yep. Mm-hmm. So, man, we have taken this former champion who can't read the cue cards, 
who's had to have his wife go back and work at the pet store to keep some stream of revenue in the house to becoming a janitor at the gym, which is even a lower position than the janitor they already have. They don't even have that respect for that guy. He's putting this stuff on skid bro. Oh man, well said. Himself, huh? Yeah. I didn't think about that. You're right. And it's interesting. And this is all kind of cut together really nicely with everything that kind of Creed's aiming for. And we laughed a little bit like when he's like reading his fan mail and like at least it's only fan mail like if it was today it'd be twitter and facebook and he'd be hearing it from everybody Stephen a smith oh yeah you <laughs> think telling him like rocky didn't beat you <laughs> uh but he's reading these letters and one of them is like you lost you're nothing go kill yourself <laughs> We laughed. Like, uh, suicide's nothing to joke about, but like... This, Maybe things haven't changed in this, a long time. This uh, this letter is very blunt and to the point with Creed. Like, you got nothing left, just go kill yourself. <laughs> but And he has essentially Creed, the same conversation with... Um, oh my gosh, what's his wife's name, Jesse? Um, oh man, it's, it's on Felicia the Ayers Rashad in yep. Creed. Yep. Um, oh man. I'm looking man. it up right now. I, okay. got, I got it right now. They have the same conversation that Rocky and Adrian are having. So now we're getting back to a bit of a Western, common Western theme. It's Mary, Mary Creed. Yeah. (laughs) The civilized versus the uncivilized. The civilized is in these movies really well illustrated by the feminine. You can't go and fight. If you come home broken, Mm -hmm. Not only do I have a child that I need to take care of, but then you become one of them as well. Yep. Which is rather emasculating if you can't see and you are broken so much that you can't get out of a wheelchair yep. and you have to have your your woman wipe your ass. Mm-hmm. The flip on that, though, is if you knowingly give it all up and you become so civilized that the touch of savage that in Westerns and specifically bought... Uh, boxing and mafia movies portray Mm -hmm. it's also curtains for you yep two things a boxer never does in a film okay one give up the fighting and number two set down the gloves it's literally their death same thing in western you never sit in the rocking chair john wayne and the searchers Mm -hmm. and you never stay in one place like you never settle down into house because you're gonna die you can't yeah So they play on that same idea. Whether that's true or not, it doesn't matter. It's fiction in a film. But both fighters are struggling with the same thing. Creed's a little bit more um, the effect of what society sees me on in ego. And Rocky is a little bit more of male ego in the domestic domestic relationship. Yeah, headspace too. And if it wasn't enough from Creed's wife getting it to him, I love what what, um, his his, uh, trainer tells him. You want to hear the truth? Yeah, I want to hear the truth. The truth is that last time he was damn lucky. Now he's all finished. I mean, he's been hanging around doing nothing for six months. And any trainer worth anything wouldn't have nothing to do with him. Now I say, let's go after some new meat. Forget this bum. You think I beat him the last time, do you? Hmm? You got the decision. Man, I won, but I didn't beat him. What are you afraid of, Tony? Honest? Yeah, honest. He's all wrong for us, baby. I saw you beat that man like I never saw no man get beat before. 
the man kept coming after you. We don't need that kind of man in our life. It says a lot about Rocky's drive and resolve is... I want to go the distance. I want to prove Rocky pound for pound is the toughest boxer I've ever seen. Fictitious or real, like the amount of beatings he goes through. And he's so true in that. Like it didn't matter if you bust his nose in round one or opened up his eye in round 14. Like this guy just kept going and going and there's no stop. And that it's, that's truly Rocky in all of these films. We'll spend some time here in the not too distant future. This podcast talking about Burgess Meredith. I know it's coming because mm-hmm. I know it is. Yeah. Can we just for a minute appreciate Tony Burton as well? Yeah. Really good. He does a really good job delivering that line. He's all wrong for us, baby. Mm -hmm. I saw you beat this man like I've never seen another man be beaten, but he kept coming. He's as gently as he can protect Creed's ego saying he's hungrier. Mm -hmm. Here's why this is important. That same idea is the crux of what the third film is. Mm -hmm. Who's hungrier. So, Really smart setup to be paid off at a later date, mm-hmm. but he's right. Yep, Rocky has literally, well, he has stuff to lose now, but by the time he gets in the ring with Creed, he doesn't have that much to lose. When he took on Rocky in the first fight, what was Rocky going to lose? No one would respect him? His little Shantate, not Shantate, but. <laughs> yeah, like there would be no change mm-hmm. in Rocky other than he would make a little bit of money for the fight with Creed. He had nothing to lose. That's a terrible position to be in Yep, in any conflict yep especially in sports too they always tell you like if you're a sports team and you're playing pretty good ball you got to be watch out for that team it doesn't matter if they're 0 and 10 they got nothing to lose like they'll go and play their best game against you and drop a a loss on you can play loose because if they lose it's what everybody expected anyway so what the hell do you exactly yeah that's a dangerous opponent and he's about to get in the ring with him again after although on the we agreed like creed won the fight but Mm -hmm. barely surviving to a certain extent yep it's really good, but uh, with all the showboating and talking and media kind of relations, like Rocky eventually comes to that decision. It's like, I got, I got to do this. So like for the money, for how he's calling me out, I got to respond in some way. And he gets into the ring and, and you know, starts going through the motions. And I, I just love this little kind of press conference bit because it shows the best of both characters and how they're they're just kind of, we're getting a little bit more of what was established so well in the last film. I want all of America, I want the whole world to see me destroy this man after two short rounds. Because after this fight, he's going to have to donate what's going to be left of his body to science. But there won't be much. That I can guarantee you. Rocky, 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 what do you think about the fight taking place in the spectrum? I'm very happy about that. Why? Well, it's only about ten minutes from my house. (laughs) Apollo, a lot of people say that you lost the first fight, a victim of the Southpaw Jinx. Did fighting a left-hander throw you off? Southpaw Jinx, nothing. Last time I took the fight too lightly and this man was just plain lucky. But this time, this time you all will see the real Apollo Creed. The whole world's going to see the real Apollo Creed. Lightning fast and hard to catch. No playing, no jiving, just business. Rocky, do you think you have a chance this time against Apollo? I don't know. He looks pretty mad. Me and Mick, we're going to try our best. You know. His lungs he's going to punch out. Now, who's that, Al Capone? <laughs> <laughs> I always like Rocky's humble humble answers to, to things. It's like, Rocky, you're going to win? He would never outright tell you, yeah, I'm going to I'm gonna win in five rounds. He's just always like, oh, no, we're, just, we're going to try our hardest, and we'll see, we'll see what happens. Self-deprecating humor 
juxtaposed against Creed's braggadocio. Well, he's bad at trash talking, which Terrible. I, I don't want to get too too much ahead of ourselves for the next film, which that actually comes into play with Rocky's fighting strategy right. later in that. Like he's not the trash talker that Creed is. Right. Creed's very bombastic, and he's like, he's like, I took the fight too lightly. I came out on this George Washington float, and I was I was dancing around like Uncle Sam. I ain't gonna do that this time. It's like gonna be pure uh, finesse and boxing. And, and then the people are like, oh, oh okay, <laughs> right. And Rocky's like, we're just gonna show up and we're gonna we're gonna try our hardest again. Like it's it's just so. And then they ask him like, do you have anything um, derogatory to say to Mister Creed? He's like, yeah, he's great. <laughs> Doesn't even know what derogatory means. Exactly, and that's just like. That's just character stuff. Like, we've already established that he's not the, sh- the sharpest guy on the corner, but, like, even to him, he's not one to, like, just outright insult someone like that. The blue-collar everyman. Yeah. Yeah. And so it's easy to get behind someone like that. Definitely. The other thing, too, that um, we talked about a little bit in that scene with Tony and Creed when Tony tells him, this guy's all wrong for us, baby. They address the issue of, you're going to have to be the villain. If you want this fight to occur, you're going to have to humiliate this. They take an ad out in the paper that has like a political cartoon of Creed choking the Italian chicken. Yep. Um, that sounded very dirty. It I mean, did, literally, it kind of did wow. sound dirty. I don't mean in some colloquialism kind of way. I literally mean legit chicken, like Stallone's head on a chicken. Yeah. Which is interesting too, because Stallone can't catch the chicken mm-hmm. earlier. So there's also a tie there. And he's, he's okay with it. He just, because he's willing to go to those lengths to salvage the Creed name. I'm going to, I feel like I've said this already three times today, but the Creed name also is really important for what happens as we get way down the line Mm -hmm. with the Creed series of this, the name. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So we have some really good setups and I think they work because they're relatable. Those are things that we can, like, I don't want my name to be tarnished. You don't want your name to be tarnished. There's all of those things that we deal with. Yeah. And then you get braggadocio Creed who is willing to go to the lengths to vilify and taint his image, who is well-loved prior to the Rocky fight. He Mm -hmm. is a well-loved fighter. Mm -hmm. He's willing to throw all that away. To to, to, prove everyone wrong. To prove that everyone was wrong and in so doing tarnish the image, which is what he's trying to disprove. He's in a mess. Yeah. Poor Creed. Ooh, and Creed's even like, he's like, we're not even going to fight this in LA. Like we're on, like we're going to fight it in this man city. Like right here on Thanksgiving night. Thanksgiving. He's giving him home field advantage. He's like, he's like, I don't, I don't need any of that. I'm just, I'm going to prove it to you. He's on a mission. Yeah. I wouldn't want to fight a guy like this on a mission like that. I'd get my ass kicked. Mm -hmm. Um, but this is all kind of going around nicely. And then the film takes a 180, 360 almost. And like, we just got to pump the brakes. So like Rocky's going through his training and he's not training very good. Like he can't catch the chicken. Uh, he's, they want him to switch to right-handed fighting to kind of throw, to kind of protect his eye. Otherwise he's going to go blind. So he's having a hard time doing that. He's getting tired in the ring uh, he just doesn't look like he has it anymore. Like that, like this time off has like been very detrimental to him. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, just like the death blow at this point is like Rocky, uh, Adrian's pregnancy takes this drastic turn and the, the child's born premature, but she slips into, into a coma. So now you have that on your hands, but you set it up so nicely earlier. If Rocky's whole goal is I, I, I put Adrian first and everything else second and everything I do, I do for her. 
then all this training that he's doing to fight Creed, the master of disaster, the heavyweight champion of the world, is going to take a backseat for however long it needs to because I have to be right here in this hospital room. It's I you're very sick, but I, I don't want to believe that. I believe you're just tired, you know. Don't worry about nothing. You just sleep as long as you want, okay? Because I'm going to be here when you wake up. Even so committed that the child's been born... And he's not even going to go see the baby until they can do it together as a family. Jeez, man, that's, that's rough. <laughs> when I tell you that Rocky, and think about who plays Rocky, okay? So the context of what I'm about to say here. Yeah. Rocky is as loyal as a dog. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's no more spot-on statement than that, is there? I mean, even to Stallone and Buttkiss. Like, he is... Yeah, the real Buttkiss. Yeah. Loyal. Mm-hmm. So much so that he won't see his son until Adrian is there. So... We're at a place now in these first two films where I think we have to acknowledge that this man is struggling with the weight of being able to provide for the woman that he is head over heels for. And at this point, I can speak for both of us probably saying that we're in love with Adrian too Mm -hmm. in a film way. Yeah. As he's sitting there over her bed crying, saying, I'm going to be here and I'm going to support you and I'm going to do all of these things, consider we're still in that same position that was at the zoo and the six-figure contract that he passed on, which is the answer to the solutions is to get back in the ring so that I can provide, but I have to make sure she's okay before I can do that. Mm -hmm. And the only way that I can provide for her when she is good is by going back on the promise I made to her. Yep. Like Rocky doesn't give a shit and none of us do about the fight when Adrian is in a coma. Mm-hmm. But to establish some life where she's not having to shuck turtles at you know Joe's pet shop, yeah. he's got to go back on the word that he gave her, which is I won't get in the ring because I don't want to go blind. Oh my God, this man is in the middle of an impossible conundrum. Yeah. And his wife now is in a coma. Meanwhile, tick, 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 the clock is going because yeah. the fight's in like two days. Yeah, it seems like. And he's bedside. Well, get to that chapel scene because I know this is a favorite of yours. Top, 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 top ever. Yeah, this is. So there's like a chapel here at the hotel in Rocky's. Like if I can't be with her during visiting hours, I'm just going to spend my time here praying, hoping for some some miracle to be blessed with. And then this is such a great, it's, it's so well directed by Sylvester Stallone who wrote and directed this film as well. I mean, the producers, Chardoff and, uh, and and Winkler, said the, they're like, Stallone's, uh, um, the amount of the success for the first one was so much on him and what he brought to it that they, they advocated hard to get him in the director's chair uh, when John G. Avildsen wasn't going to come back. Uh, but it was a great move. And, and now you're talking about someone, I don't know if we've done this before. Have we covered a movie that's directed and, and also lead lead actor? Because like, Clooney usually does that, but we haven't really talked about a lot of those. Right. Uh, I don't think or so. Or Clint Eastwood, but yeah, that that's hard to do. You know, you're, you're writing the thing. You're spending all those months with that script. 
then you have to be impartial as a director that you got to give your own self direction. But I think it works so well because Stallone knows his character and what he's going through that it just feels so natural for him. And it's in this chapel scene because he doesn't say a word. This is Burgess Meredith's scene. And he comes in and says, look, you know, like I know how you're feeling and this and that. And um, we got a real shot this time. You know, no, we got a real shot this time. And, you know, I don't want to let that go to waste. I mean, we've worked so hard to get up here. And then the reversal of all that. I'll let you take it because it's just it's brilliant. Anytime a film is titled after the main character, it's a character study. Mm -hmm. And this is not rhetorical. I mean this. This is one of my three favorite scenes in all of cinema ever. Rocky doesn't say a word. Stallone is just sitting in that pew, head bowed. And Mick comes in with the his version of Win One for the Gipper, which basically is, you're blowing it, but I think you're better than what he thinks of you. And to prove that to you, because you're also better than just a fighter to me. You're more of a son and not a client or a boxing trainee. I'm going to sit here and blow it with you, that line. Yeah. You're going to blow this, and damn it, if you're going to blow it, I'm going to blow it with you. I'm going to sit here and pray, what do I got to lose? Is so profound Mm -hmm. and beautiful. Yep. And he follows through on his word. He's with them there for the whole rest of this duration. He never leaves. And you can tell it's killing him. Mm-hmm. And it's not because he, I think in the first film, he wants Rocky to be good so that he can stake a claim to that of being a good trainer. By the time we get to where we get to in this film, I don't know if he gives a damn about that anymore. He really just truly cares about Rocky. And what Rocky needs more than the X's and O's inside the ring and footwork and switching to Southpaw, blah, 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 is someone to help guide him because the only other voice in there is 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 Polly. He's like, let's get out of here. And he's breaking legs or drunk. Yeah. Still. Mm-hmm. Well well Natalie attired, but nonetheless still the same jackass that he was. And we even see it because he says gonna knock Adrian's teeth out. Yeah, he's finally got the job that he wants. Finally got the job that he wants his Working. leg breaker for Gazo in a really nice suit. So yeah. like there's no support there for Rocky. And this is a guy that hasn't had any support. That's been the whole crux of it. So Mick has now taken on the role of father figure. Mm-hmm. Okay, so we're in very special space for you and I because we like that theme in our films, the yeah. family. Mm-hmm. And Rick, I almost called him Rick, and Mick gives him the best John Dixon to Matt Dixon sit down and this is how ate the cabbage mm-hmm. speech that I never got. Mm-hmm. And maybe that's why I like it because I wanted that. Like, you are fucking this up. Yeah. You're going to get your head kicked in. But you know what? Right now, this is more important, and I love you that we will deal that enough. We'll deal with that when we get to it, but we got to deal with this first. Yeah. And that it happens in a church. Yeah. And it's advice, like, coupled with this is not the path to take, but it's the 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 only path we can take. Like, this guy thought it was a freak, mm-hmm. but I think you're better than that. Yeah. He thinks one time, you know, like, he's just... He's parroting all of the things that Creed has said. And I will, I'll preface this by saying, prior to Mick's rah-rah speech in the church, him and Rocky have just had it out yeah. in a locker room. Mm-hmm. Mick just said, I'm not going to train you. You suck. You know, he's, he just has undressed Rocky because yeah. Rocky's not training hard. You know, he's not doing a good job at it. So, boy, we have a lot going here. So, Well, it's, it's, it's just the emotion, the roller coaster this film takes you on. is just You're just in the church and then in the room, and he's reading to her and... 
there's Mick and there's Polly leaving flowers at the this little cart outside because he can't even come. He can't even enter that space because he just he doesn't belong there. Yeah. Just himself. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, and I was thinking too, and this we might have the film might have lost its audience had they gone there. I was like, man, what if they had got, like just like killed Adrian in this one? Mm. Like if they just went that direction. Oy. I don't know. I don't know if that they would have been able to redeem. I don't know if theoretically Rocky could get in the ring after going through that. No. So I think that's a smart decision not to go that route. But yeah, his undying loyalty, because when she does come back and then they do get to see the baby together and kind of reconnect. And I just looked it up when I was looking up what Mrs. Creed's name was. It was his baby uh, as the baby. Is that right? Yeah. The one that passed? Uh, no, no, no. Um, not Sage. Well, yeah, and one of his other one of his other sons. Yeah, well, a lot of hair on this kid. Okay. That's me. I, I look like that when I came out. <laughs> just like that. Awesome. But yeah, that's it's it's really cool. And it, it will, but then Adrian says it for him best. He's really us. Thank you. Oh, come on, you've done all the work, Adrian. I can't believe you've done this. <laughs> believe me, we did. Oh no, he ain't got a name. What do you want to call him? Paul is a great name. Yeah. Is it? Yeah, Paul. Paul is a pretty good name. <laughs> what about after the father? Rocky Junior. <laughs> come on, you really want to do that? Yeah. Lady's the best I ever seen. You really done good. You look so tired. Why don't you go get some sleep? Oh no, no, I feel great. I feel great. Listen, I've been thinking. If you don't want me mixing with Creed no more, we'll make out some other kind of way, you know. There's one thing I want you to do for me. What? Come here. What? Win. What are we waiting for? Take this. Maybe it's cheesy. Yeah. But like that gives me goosebumps. It's so good. I think it's the hallelujah moment, isn't it? I think it's the only time in the franchise when like Adrian's like, okay with like Mm -hmm. go out and fight. Cause usually she's like, you can't win. That's usually what she is saying. Mm -hmm. But this time she's like, look, we just went through this whole thing and I know what you need to do to get over this hump. You have to go out there, but if you're going to go out there this time, you have to win. Like mm-hmm. if you're going to put your body through that abuse. Yeah, I think she recognizes right out of a coma. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> we should all be so alert and attuned yep. that he has to win so that we can put this to bed and move on. Get to a sense of normal living. Yeah. Four films later. <laughs> Doesn't happen. <laughs> He'll still be fighting when she's no longer even in the series. Exactly. Yeah. Um, you know, but this, at least we give her some peace for till Clever Lang shows. Oh uh, yeah. I, I, yeah, I love this moment. And yeah, we got to talk about like, so sequels, naturally you want to up the stakes of the prior injury. You want to make it look better, have everything be better. We've got more budget this time, 8 million compared to 1 million. Uh, th- this training sequence and the upcoming fight, th- this like surpasses what we saw in the last film. Like, man, this is Stallone really going at it. One-handed pull-ups, sit-ups where the guy's slapping him in the stomach. I don't know. I don't know what, what, what benefit that has other than like toughen your abs up, internal hemorrhaging. I guess so. <laughs> Scar tissue. It just the yeah, the 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 dead curls the, the 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 shoulder the shoulder exercises oh my gosh like the, the, what this guy's like going through and you kind of see he's he's finessing it now and and Stallone the man too like he was doing a few things in the last training montage now he's just he's doing crazy shit yeah some kind of weird uh, duck walk with the um, big 
what wood. Yeah, that, like made, that made my knees hurt. The big log on his. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so he's getting after it in that very raw way. Mm-hmm. Um, catches then, the chicken this time. Finally catches the chicken with Mick and the little feather in his headband. But meanwhile, we also see Tr- Creed giving it hell too. He's not taking any shortcuts either. Mm-hmm. So we are headed for the showdown of all showdowns. So we talked about it later this week, how this film's kind of like, there's a formula kind of at place here, and it's evident watching part two after seeing what part one gave us. Yeah. Much like a Bond film. Like with the Bond film, you get your like cold open, you get your title uh, song, gadgets, Bond bond women, um, the henchmen. You, like when you go see a James Bond film, you, there's like 10 check boxes and that Bond film is going to check most of them. Uh, it's just something you look forward to. The same thing goes for Rocky. I mean, here you get your recap. You're going to have your, your kind of your, 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 your ducking and diving with the, the opponents, but you're guaranteed to get a training montage. You're guaranteed to get some type of running sequence and then, and then a fight. And then I said it last week, you get fights one and round one and two in their entirety, a montage of shorts of rounds three through 14. And then you get the last one. But this running sequence is, I like how it's just juxtaposed to the last film because the last time he's running alone, a guy throws him an apple in the, the gypsy market. Uh, and then he's, he, he does that run on his own with no one in his corner, uh, trying to prove really only to himself. He's not trying to prove to like anybody. It's Rocky one's about, I got to prove that this to myself. And this one, it's it's even better. I mean, now he's had some a touch of fame, but he's got the city of Philadelphia like around his corner r- r- this time. Yeah. I mean, now when he goes through the gypsy market, and he's got people giving him high fives and they're cheering. Like, then he gets the kids to run with him, and I, I love that shot. And Rocky books ass again. Like, I don't know if that like he killed me in a in a dead sprint. That shot of from like the top step looking down of Rocky coming up the steps and you just got this crowd of people. And the last time we saw this, it was just him. But now there's like this this following and this kind of aura about him, the people's champion, if that. When they're all cheering up there at the top, oh, that that's a great moment in, in this film. Rocky's come this far and has made progress and people are starting to notice, at least in Philadelphia. It's not men or women that are following him, too. It's kids. Male, girls, boys and girls. Mm-hmm. Gosh, so if there's no question that this is the people's champion, the Pied Piper who's getting children to engage in physical activity in order to defeat the opposition <clears throat> yeah, was, was, is as bad as inspirational as you can get. I was thinking, I was like, those kids that started real early on in the run with them, I was like, are they going to run five miles with this guy? <laughs> like, maybe. I don't know. His... Influence is so vast that there is no cardiovascular limits to how far it will go, I guess. Mm-hmm. I Regardless, like- though, that scene that you mentioned is shot so well when he comes up those steps and he has gone so fast that he's left most of the kids in the dust. Mm-hmm. They are just pouring through whatever town square yep. in Philadelphia that is mm-hmm. to join him at the top of those stairs. Yeah, they want to be part of it. Oh, guys, really great. Yeah. Well, those stairs represent a lot in this franchise. Oh, no shit, yeah. Because Statue, it's statues coming too, right? It's the, it's the next one. Uh, they, they just represent, you know, the unattainable goal, the unclimbable mountain. Uh, and if I can ascend to that that peak, I I I have a, a chance. Literally in film four, it's a mountain. 
<laughs> right, exactly. Like if if that ain't obvious enough, enough to like erect a statue there to celebrate the the people's champion. Like those those stairs in real Philadelphia and in fictitious Philly land, like like they're so important to like what this character represents to that city. So when you have a mountain with a statue on it, it sounds like Mount Rushmore like, doesn't yeah, it? A little bit. So we are trying to solidify a hero in very rarefied air. Mm-hmm. And it's a brave endeavor for the film, but I think it it succeeds because we have as much as Superman is Superman. Yeah. Rocky's better. Oh yeah. Cause he's a little bit fallible and his feet are kind of semi clay like. But he overcomes not only the opposition, but the internal opposition as well. And in this case, it is I've got to get this right so that I can take care of this one more time so mm-hmm. that Adrian and myself will be okay. Yep. And so I guess with the kids in tow at the top of the stairs, we get the gonna fly now, Bill Conti, all that wonderful score. And we head to Super Fight number two. Super Fight two. On yeah. Thanksgiving night. Yeah, let's get to the fight. Yeah. No Thanksgiving meal for Rocky that day. Eat early because you need to get your nap out of the way and be awake for this one. I don't even know if you'd be allowed to eat that Thanksgiving meal. Like that's like anti-training food. Exactly. <laughs> Right. It's a lot of fatty food. Even the people of Philadelphia, they had dinner at noon that day so they could be awake. Yeah. And so like, and then he's like late to the fight because he's got to go get a blessing from the father. Jeez, I am so late. To his own fight. Yeah. And he shows up and Mick's about ready to kill him and they get into the fight and I just like the callbacks to the last film. Like he's got the robe on. He's like, this is a pretty good uh, robe this time. Not as baggy as last year. Like (laughs) just all of that. It's gorgeous. It's just great interplay. And then once they get in the ring and here comes Creed, man of his word, he's not coming out as George Washington Floyd. He's coming out as like this determined fighter. That's just like, man, I'm coming. I'm not even wearing the red, white, and blue this time. Deglitzed. Yep. Brass tacks. Yep. Red and white. Yep. Yeah. He's, he's wearing what Rocky was supposed to wear in the last fight. Right. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, I wonder if that was intentional. You know, it's funny you mentioned that because what struck me in this, I didn't even realize it. There's a scene when they're opening the film up and Rocky and Creed are reliving Rocky one mm-hmm. and he's got white on red and the picture behind him is red on white yep. or whatever. There's so much blood on his shorts. They almost match the picture that's hanging from him in the spectrum from the, did you notice that? Yep. There's so much blood that has been <laughs> removed from Rocky in the first showdown with Creed that his white shorts are, are pink bordering on red. Yep. It's crazy. So now Creed is wearing red on like he's, it had as much a big deal as this franchise makes about the shorts. Yep. That's not an accident. Yep. I'm going to stick it to you, Rock. Yep. I'm going to wear I'm going to wear what you were supposed to wear. Damn right. Yeah, I I had never noticed. I've seen this film a lot. Uh I'd never noticed that that yeah, he's wearing the color that was originally intended. That that ha- that's like a middle finger. I'm wearing the middle finger to you. Is the difference between one and two in the this just occurred to me in the fight sequences where number one is a um a showcase of talent, number two is a battle of wills. Yeah. It is, isn't it? Definitely. Yeah. I think this is a better fight sequence. Okay. Like it it looks better. It like it's like just goes about in like a better fashion. I mean, that's Stallone's direction or more money to play with, but it just looks more fine-tuned than the last film. Well, Rocky has certainly mastered his defense technique, isn't it? <laughs> which is don't hit my body because my face is wide open. Hit me over and over times and over in the face. Uh, oh my God. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Like, 
yeah, cover up rock. Even worse than the first one. I mean, uh, Mick's telling him you got to protect that eye. You're gonna go blind. He doesn't do that at all. Gets knocked down in the in the first round and busts his nose again. Good round. Good Can't believe it. Broke my nose again. He's got to be in great shape to withstand that butchering. And I'll tell you, that's just what it is. His plain old butchering. A butchering. I did the switching by you? Nothing by you. Why, but then you should have had him. You can't be hurt. You follow, you can't be hurt because you are too tough. Now don't let up on this man. This man is dangerous. This man is dangerous. This man is dangerous. dangerous. That guy's great. Not all this. He's only a man. You can beat him because you're a tank. You're a greasy, fast, 200-pound Italian tank. Go to him. Run over him. Okay. Get out of here. Get him. This is it, man. That's the ball I love it. It's just, it's, it's, it's just Rocky's giving his all. And Rocky's strength as a fighter, at least in these early films, is his ability with, to withstand like such a beating. And he does, when he does get to the body, I think Rocky pound for pound against Creed is a stronger fighter. Yeah. Those body shots really, that's what does Creed in both of these fights. Rocky's going to take a hell of a beating to his face, though, but like as long as he can kind of be there at the end, he's got a chance. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that, that's the strategy. But I always love it. Like, you get goosebumps in the in the bit there where Adrian, and that, that gives me goosebumps too, but when when Bill Conti's uh, uh, title track, it's called Conquest in the in the score, that do, 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 do. And then we're getting into the montage of the fight. Oh, my gosh. And, and pay attention to that musical cue, and I'm going to play it here in a little bit. Okay. Because it comes back later in the series hmm. uh, um, in parts three and in part six. In the biz that's known as a tease. Yep. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> right. But what do you think of this fight? Like, they, the, the Stallone, at least stylistically, is trying different things with the camera. I mean, we get Rocky Vision this time, which is very cloudy. <laughs> Yeah. Concussed. Uh, we get some slow motion. I'll never forget that slow motion shot. There's like literally one where he like takes a hit and then like looks off to the side and he like doesn't even know where he's at and then takes like another shot to the face right like right after. So we're playing around with some with some some different components compared to last fight, which is just a pretty quick montage, really. Yeah, it's tricky to take a blow on camera and make it look real. Mm-hmm. I think Paul, uh, Carl Weathers is really good at when he takes those body shots and he kind of lifts himself up off the mat. Mm-hmm. But they both admitted that they they both got clocked a few times in these sequences. And I think even Michael B. Jordan said, uh, yeah, I got knocked the hell out. In or the, there's sequences. footage of him getting knocked out in one. You'd have to sort of just... Comes you know, with the territory. <laughs> certainly. Yeah. Um, well, the, the, the one slow motion where Creed's uh, punching him in literally the forehead. His mouth has a reverb effect through it. I don't know how you fake that. I don't think you can. It's like, hit me and like, don't hit me too hard, but like, it has to look like you're hitting me because we're close up. It's a close up. It's a medium shot of you hitting me. Mm-hmm. So you kind of have to hit me. So these guys are just laying <laughs> blow after blow after blow. And Creed's giving and getting. Rocky's giving and getting. But Creed's winning this fight again. <laughs> but you said it really well. Huh. Creed takes damage to the body. Rocky mostly takes damage to the face. And what we're starting to establish, though, is the kill shot for Rocky, if you will, mm-hmm. is the aforementioned from last week, yeah. the shovel hook. Yep. 
essentially an uppercut, but a bit more of a hook than traditional uppercut. And that's the tr- the punch he's going to teach Creed too in the Creed series. Yeah, and, but he's going right-handed this time. And it makes sense yeah. because he's smaller. Mm-hmm. So he would be able to dig at him underneath instead of trying to get the leverage to go over the top. And you see it no more clearly evident than in that final round when Creed is punching down. And so if you go all the way back to like The Art of War by Shinzu, mm-hmm. Page one, tactic one, is get a superior position than the opposition. So you have gravity. Mm-hmm. And Creed is living in that space over and over in this final round, like dropping sledgehammer-like blows mm-hmm. as he's trying to hang on. And then tires a bit, and Rocky returns the favor with those devastating shots to the midsection. Yeah. So we are just, these guys are just beating the hell out of each other. But mm-hmm. it's really fun to no, watch. I like that. Uh shot reaction shot that like there's like one of creed and he's like gasping for air in his corner and then they cut to like his wife and she's like oh oh, like gasping for air she's like what what did we get ourselves into again (laughs) i told you this was like we didn't i didn't want to do this either you should have listened to me so yeah we get to we get to round 15 finally oh my god rocky's face is just like ground beef like it's it was bad last week like it's 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 almost worse like it's pretty bad yeah the both of them are like, you're going down. Uh-uh, no way. Like, you got to punch my face off if you're going to beat me. Literally, the round 15 is just like, who could stand up the longest? Like, there's literally a shot of Creed with his hand on the rope, throwing lefts. Because he mm-hmm. can't even stand up unless he, like, holds Brace. himself up. And then, yeah, Rocky, and then, like, he's got the people behind him. And Rocky has to go for the knockout this time because Creed's winning this fight again. Oh, yeah. Uh, and then, yeah, and then we get to that moment. So last week, Matt, I said, uh, if this was set in the real sports world, that him knocking Creed down for the first time ever would be like a top 10 sports moment. When they both go down here and it's in this race to get up before the TKO, this is in the top 10 too. Can you imagine this on like on like replay sports center? Like people would lose their minds in, oh, yeah. in the real world. Both of those moments are in the top 10 real sports world. See if I can add a couple more by the time this series is up. Oh, I'd love to hear it. <laughs> yeah, down they both go, and the count's going. Aye. So we, it's in slow motion, and we're watching <clears throat> them get close and then fall back down and get close and fall back down. And so at nine, yeah. Creed's almost erect. Mm-hmm. Just got to get those knees straight. Mm-hmm. And Rocky's sort of draped over this the middle rope. So we stay on Creed. And we see him go, and right as we cut back to 10 from the judge, or the, the ring attendant, yeah. Rocky stands, and he just beats the count. Mm-hmm. So he's on his feet. Guy waves out Creed. He's knocked out at that point, and we have a, a new champion by the thinnest of margins, but nonetheless, a champion. And it's even not like a full stand-up. It's like... Yeah. Like- He's he- like falling this way. Yeah. But it's a little bit better than where Creed's at right now. Yep. Yeah, new champion, pomp and circumstance. Uh, but I love the way this film this film wraps up because this has been a hell of a journey to get there. And I love Rocky's little speech here at the end. He's like, I want to thank Apollo for fighting me. Thanks, Apollo. <laughs> and I like to thank Mick for training me. <laughs> and Mick, Mick looks like he's about to die. Like His heart can literally not take no more. Oh, nope. man. Uh, too soon. Uh, and, then, and then his kind of last little speech here is like apart from my kid being born this is the greatest night in the history of my life like never thought i'd be standing up here and he's like i just want to thank my wife who's at home 
yo adrian i did it like it's it's just so triumphant and again accompanied by conti's brilliant score like telling you yeah you got to feel good at this point because if you don't you got you don't have you don't have a soul <laughs> you don't have a soul but like telling him go away adrian i did it my goal in this film was if i'm gonna go back and do this and i'm gonna win i have to do it this time there's no going back because there's either i'll get to retire his boxing or we just got to forget about this moment and he does it and says i did it that moment is going to have so much weight and gravity going forward in the rest of this series you got to remember those words yo adrian i did it because we're going to come back to that later um it's just the the reason this this series plays off each other so well so but this great moment oh yeah and that he wants to share it with her yeah so like i said i would contend that this is drama romance like you said Mm mm-hmm He's got to give a nod to the person that he's been doing it for. And we've now crossed the bridge that this demon has been slayed. We can put the boxing issue to bed. We'll have enough money. Hopefully you can find suitable employment now and we're good. So now he's able to not have to go back on his word that he gave to Adrian and be able to provide for her at least for a little while. Mm -hmm. (laughs) We're going to get that challenged in the next film, but for now we're good. Yeah. And I just, when he says, Adrian, I did it. And then we cut to her and she's watching the fight on TV, which is, I love you. Mm -hmm. And that's been the line that they have shared back and forth, I don't know, 25, 30 times. There's no doubt. Like we talk about Gary Cooper and Grace Kelly a lot in High Noon. And I think that's one of the most overrated relationships in all of film. Because the truth is, Gary Cooper should have stuck with Katie Gerardo and kicked Grace Kelly to the curb. But this is... It was Gary Cooper (laughs) asshole. Exactly. Right. Enough jokes. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> they're better oh they oh hell yeah they're just a better couple mm-hmm. maybe i don't i haven't thought about this a lot but maybe the best i'd have to really think i hard. know I yeah know. maureen o'hara and john wayne could probably throw a couple of ideas in there too and they certainly have a great arc i mean from where it yeah. started to where we get in film six which kill me right now my heartstrings can only take so much yeah uh, it's just it's just so well done, and we see it through the, the the thick and thin trial and tribulation, the highs and the lows, and yeah, and this is this is a high moment. This is a high moment in the franchise. We're supposed to feel really good here at this at this moment. Our guys won. Yeah, this is, when he said, "Yo, Adrian, I did it." Like I I have to turn away because I'm mm-hmm. just like, yo, it's, it's, got it. it's, it's coming out. I can't stop it. Same. <laughs> it's same. And it's it's the music, but and it's part of it's because it's the music. I mean, Conti does such a good job at this score that like you all you have to play is that bump, 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 and then slow it down. Bump, 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 bump. Like, ooh, man, like that's everything to me. That's a big reason why this series works as well as it does. Agreed. Yeah. Excellent. Uh, a couple things. So we mentioned earlier, $8 million budget with this film. Cha-ching, the first film was a decent success a success to throw some money at a sequel. Another $200 million gross worldwide. This film was a gigantic hit. Like, who thought, like, let's go watch the same film again, kind of, uh, but with kind of different things going on. And that people would turn out again for it, like huge hit. Like I, I think maybe more than the first film, actually. Yeah, the first one was a little sleepier, and now yeah. after all the acclaim it got from the Academy Awards, people saw probably Rocky one post initial release, but this one they saw. Yeah. 
in real time. In real time. And it's just going to continue as the series goes. Like, like I love this franchise. It's like, I don't know what else more you can do with boxing, Stallone. Like, where else can you take this story where we haven't seen it? And he's like, well, we're going to go here next. And it's something totally different. And people come out like, I think Rocky III is the biggest moneymaker in the franchise. The criticism that they're all formulaic to me is just absurd. Yeah. Every film is that's genre specific. Mm -hmm. Sports films are notoriously guilty for this. The little team that couldn't finds a way through some motivational moment, a way to overcome. Yeah. Mighty Ducks. (laughs) Hoosiers. We can go on and on and on, right? Mm -hmm. Um, Remember the Titans. And it's usually done in some dramatic last second Hail Mary type fashion. This does the same thing. Yeah. Boxing has even less space because it's just the ring. Yeah. I mean, if it's a boxing movie, it has to end in a ring. Like, right. Otherwise, I'll be disappointed. <laughs> so, if your criticism for this film was, and this is going to be especially, I think, germane to number four. Okay. There's too much boxing. Mm-hmm. I would just, like, what did you think you were going to get? And frankly, are you sure there's too much boxing? Because you mentioned an hour without any. An hour of yeah, just a, drama. It's an hour of spending with Stallone. Adrian in a coma. They can't find employment. Like yeah, domestic yeah. non-bliss. Exactly. Yeah. Are you sure Capra's not got his hands on this yeah, right now? Well, yeah, you know what I'm saying? Maybe, like, yeah, it feels like one of those films. So that's just a, an absurd criticism. And at this point, I think most people probably weren't saying, yeah, that's just another boxing movie. And guess what's going to happen? That will be a little bit later on. But I'm glad that they found a formula that worked in A and kept it going in B. Exactly. Yeah, good for them. Okay, Matt, what's uh, your favorite tasting note of Rocky II? Mm, the chapel sequence? Yeah, I mean, <laughs> probably just because that's Alzheimer's for me. Mm-hmm. I could watch that scene over and over. Um, yeah, it's yeah that that it's it's really you, you clapped when it ended because it was just it's just so well done. Like it's it's. Burgess's scene, but like it's just a quiet space for that to to happen in. It's acting one oh one. Burgess yeah. Meredith is just in such command of how I think that should be. Mm-hmm. And then the setting is also they could have done that in the waiting room. Yeah. But the chapel has so much more gravity. Cause if you remember back to Rocky One. Oh, in the, the beginning? Right. Yeah. They're fighting in a chapel and there's that painted picture of Jesus lording over them. It's just again so so well set up and paid off it just it all comes together so nicely i'm gonna have to go with the uh, the running sequence him with the kids yeah. that shot like it's it's a nice to see him alone overcoming obstacles but then overcoming obstacles again but with help in his corner this time and it's 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 fandom at this point it's good uh that's really great matt what's the <gasps> I need to take a shot moment of Rocky too. One of these days, if we get back into schlock cinema with like Battlefield Earth, we got to do Troll Two because there's a reason that sounds the way it sounds. Like that, that movie is not good. <laughs> That'd be fun to do. Okay, excellent. Uh, Why don't you go first? Yeah, yeah. I think I'm gonna go with. Um, it's the the whole coma sequencing is just. Uh, that's just hard to watch. I'm just. I'm when I watch that, I'm just. Just thinking, what else does this guy have to overcome in order to like accomplish his goals? I mean, he's illiterate. He he can't land a job. He can't fight anymore. Now his wife's in a coma. Like like, what else more could happen that he needs to to figure out? Like, it's it's a rough twenty minutes for me. <laughs> yeah, that's things have gone to hell for him, haven't they? I'm gonna go with round fifteen. Okay, that it's a fifteen round heavyweight fight is absurd anyway. Yep, but man, that they are. 
not just trying to knock each other out, they're trying to kill each other with those blows. And we're sitting there on the couch watching it, <laughs> cringing mm-hmm. at the lack of balance and strength they have to stay on their feet and the totality of how heavy they are. They are just killing each other. It is toe-to-toe war. And I think it's shot, the fight, the fighting bit, the choreography of the fighting is better in this than it is in mm-hmm. one. And you really see it in full display in that film. Draghi's face looks just so terrible. It's just at the, a, end, the end. It's just a raw meat. A bloody, swollen face. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Who's the master distiller on Rocky Two? I mean, we had Stallone last week, but like arguably he's even better in this one because he's in the director's chair at the same time. He's guiding the ship. I'll take that one again. Yeah. Written and directed main star. We've seen that a few times with like Shemile. Um, yeah, his is like a cameo, like I'm going to walk by and yeah, I'm the drunk that killed your wife or Lady in the Water a bit more. And that was the worst, but this. Not like the lead lead of the film, right, like true. your face is on the poster. Yeah, that's a lot to take on, mm-hmm. man. Um, maybe Avildsen wasn't as important in this franchise as we might have given him credit for last week. You have an interesting tidbit about that. Well, it's yeah. interesting. Like he they, he was going to come back, but then he was busy prepping pre production on Saturday Night Fever. But then he didn't end up directing that, and he got pulled off. I guess I don't know what happened behind the scenes on that film. He just had to bail. Even weirder because Staying Alive, which is the sequel to that, it's produced by Stallone. Oh, yeah. Oh my god. <laughs> Right? We'll add that to the cask with Troll 2. How weird, huh? <laughs> so, yeah, it's Stallone. Again, two weeks in a row. Well, Alvidson really doesn't come back until, like, Karate Kid, really. Like, that's, like, his next, like, big thing that he does. It's two pretty solid films. Yeah, yeah. No <laughs> argument for me. Um, yeah, I'm going to give it to Stallone again. That's cheating, but who... Yeah, There's one other one here, I think, that... I mean, I could go, if I really wanted to stretch it, with Shire. Because at this point, we are as into her as we are Rocky. But it's make- like stealing somebody else's girlfriend. You can't do that. So I'm I'll mix it up this week. I'll go Bill Conti. I mean, whether it's that opening credit bit or the training music or the running music or the fighting music or those just melodic uh, themes that he plays within like in the hospital or on wedding night, like it's like a French horn. Like it's, it's, it's something that like he's, he's got such a command over like the emotions of this, of this film. Like he, he knows how Rocky needs to sound. Uh, good stuff. Yeah, this is a, this is a, the great score. I think Bill Conti, like after this, I think he did one of the Bond films. I think he did the music for like For Your Eyes Only. Oh. Yeah. Hmm. Other than that, I only know him for Rocky music, but this is a great score. Like this music is amazing. Bill Conti and Sheena Easton at their finest. There you go. Yeah. She And that's a weird Bond film because Sheena Easton's like the only Bond singer. She's in the opening credits of For Your Eyes Only. She like is present and singing it. And they've never done that before or since. So like, interesting. <laughs> I don't know why they chose to do that. Small world. Yeah. Excellent. Um, how are you going to rate and grade Rocky two rock gut? Well, call single barrel and top shelf. Can I go this first this week? Absolutely. For everything that a sequel is supposed to be and upping the stakes and just they're obviously they're playing with more money, but they're playing and making just everything look better. The training, the fighting, the emotional stakes, the characters are continuing their journey from the last film, and it's even more interesting, arguably. The first film is what it is because it lays the groundwork for the franchise, and it's new and fresh, and we hadn't like been in that boxing space before with that film. Matt, this film, uh, Rocky II is a better movie. It's just pound for pound. You stack them up to uh, next to each other. 
I think it's more enjoyable. I think it's more emotional. I think it does everything that the first film does and then ups it even more. I think it's more, uh, I think it's more satisfying at the end because he does win. Uh, I put Rocky two above the, the first Rocky in my book this is a top shelf film for me. This is my favorite film in the entire franchise. Wow. It's also top shelf for me. And I think what I respect the most Boxing movies only have a space that makes sense for them to work. And inside that space, they were creative enough to find a new story to tell. Mm -hmm. Not just the guy who's down in his luck to pick himself up by his bootstraps and matter. We've already established that. We're going to break him down now, but in a different way domestically and watch him, like the Phoenix, rise from the ashes once again. Yep. And it's, it's choreographed better. I think at this point, Stallone is more in control of Rocky because mm -hmm. he understands it more, just probably from repetition than he was in the first film. Yeah, Talia Shire is more present. Like I said, it has one of my three favorite scenes in all of film in this. Mm -hmm. um, I, I, I'm not. That's a tough question. I don't know if it's better than the first one, but it's as equal. And there's an argument I can make with myself that it is. Yeah, I, I hear you. What you're saying, sure. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, it's also top shelf. Yeah, it's a great second entry. Mm -hmm. Uh, yeah, it's, yeah, we're like we're two for two, like going in this franchise. Like we're off to to a great start here. We're still recovering from Battlefield Earth. Yeah, yeah, that that left us permanently damaged for for a while. Oh, gosh, that that's that seems like March, but that was like July. I know. What did we do? What did oh we did we did a uh, Die Hard and Reservoir Dogs and all that. So mm -hmm. that that helped a little bit, but yeah, we're still recovering from total shit. <laughs> but yeah, this is a great conversation. Cheers to that. Cheers. I can't wait to get into the next film. But before that, let's end with a nightcap. That noise, that dun 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 those are the those are Tiffany. the no those are the 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 strings hitting the side of their their string on like the stand or the chair. No kidding, like, that's what that is. Yeah, that's wow. like that's like a real simple sound like to make with that. It works. I don't know how that get doesn't get you amped up to like go like lift some weights or something. Like my God, right. Uh, let's wrap up, um, kind of talking about the Rocky franchise. We're going to be talking about these actors a lot for the next four weeks still. Uh, but they've had other careers and other various sh uh, shapes and forms. So I think we're going to uh, kind of talk about like who, what's another favorite performance or film, uh, of one of these main players who you're going to go with. Look, the obvious one. And I think we both said that we couldn't choose this. Stallone. Is, <laughs> Stallone in any other role as Rambo. No. Um, Talia Shire is Connie Corleone in the Godfather franchise is clearly one of them. I'd like to Can I speak on that just real quickly? Go, sure. Yeah. Why that I think is so great because by the end of the first film and we're establishing a new family hierarchy with the Corleones and then get into film two. And by the time film two ends and Michael's even lower than he was ever. She's the only one left, like, in his corner. Wife's gone, taking the kids. 
I killed Fredo, spoiler alert, but shame on you if you've never seen that movie. Yeah. She's the only thing left for mother and father are both past. That's all he has left. Like that says something about a lot of what the journey he goes through. Right. But she's an integral part in, in that film. That's picking such low hanging fruit. Yeah. Up, actually, that's just our honorable mention, but we have to at least acknowledge. Can that. I just say, if we ever do Godfather part two, like it'll either be four hours talking about it or we'll have to do like we'll have to split that into two episodes you know what we should do is we should get that director's cut that's one and two put together oh. sequentially do that one and then do it over two weeks of shows the what the hell do they call it the godfather saga i think is what it's called yeah. it was on tv and it's in chronological order yeah so you get young Vito first and then you get into michael and then part two yeah that'd be but both of those episodes i'm telling you right now man i have a lot to say they're gonna be like two hours long but hey People. But then we would have to do three also. And no, you have to do three. You do. You do. But, but that's nothing. Like, I've been thinking a lot about, like, the length of episodes and podcasts and stuff. I listened to a, a Halloween podcast where these guys talk about Halloween 6 for, like, three hours. Like, wow. just they just keep going and going and going. And you know what? I am so entertained listening to that. Like, if you're in that headspace and you're a godfather, like, they'll listen to it. Sure. They'll listen to it. And I think there's probably more material in that than there is. No offense to Halloween, but we, there's a lot, especially oh, yeah. Halloween 6. Oh, yeah. So, okay, uh, that's maybe a vote for an upcoming cast. There you go. Okay, so those aren't my, none of those are my choices. Yeah, I won't choose that either. I'm going to choose something different. And this is just a movie because I loved it as a kid. Okay. And I don't even think it's a great performance in what I recognize this actor as. It's rather impish in this performance. But it's Burgess Meredith in Clash of the Titans. He plays the role of the sage, wise element that gets Harry Hamlin going on the right path. And that movie is Jason and the Argonauts on steroids. I still love that film. The bit with Medusa is unbelievably good. Mm -hmm. um, the ties to Greek mythology which I think is such an untapped story in film. Oh, yeah. They've tried a couple times, but mostly they suck. Yeah, Troy sucks. You know Troy what I mean? Sucks. You know what I mean? Like, I know that's, we could get into like ancient antiquity and where Rome starts and Greece ends and all that, blah, 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 but whatever. But yeah, yeah, yeah. Spar you know, Sparta and 300 and all, like those are, that's that's a B movie. That's 300's a B, right? That's like the last Ray Harryhausen film too. Like yeah. th that's like the death of stop motion animation, like in that film, you're like watching it take place because Star Wars just opened up. You could do it this way instead. I just think it shows a great range. If you yeah. also add Burgess Meredith as the penguin <laughs> from Batman. <laughs> yeah, in the 60s, he's a great penguin. He's a really good actor. Yep. And you know, we tease Claude Rains a lot. We tease, I tease you about Clive Owen a lot. Yeah. Burgess did, Meredith is kind of Claude Rains. <laughs> did, did we miss, though? Did Hollywood... I know he, miss had, on he had a Meredith. career. I'm yeah. not trying to say he didn't. Yeah. I think that's one of the bigger misses mm -hmm. that we might He's never... kind of a late bloomer if Rocky's kind of like announcing him more to the masses than... And he, had a nice career in, in theater, mm -hmm. especially like Shakespearean theater. Yeah. But give me a break, you know? That's 300 people a night. Mm -hmm. Um, That's where I'm going to go. And that's just... Excellent. There's nostalgia elements, and I know everybody's like, yeah, Matt, that's kind of a... Yeah, Clash of the Titans. Really? Are you, yeah, really. That's where I'm going to go. Matt said the words Harry Hamlin on set. Exactly. <laughs> He's come up twice this week, hasn't he? Oh, we had a goodness. conversation about him on Thursday night. Goodness. Harper's Island. Yeah, he wasn't Harper's Island. Uh, for he one played, episode. He, he played the uncle. Real quick. I think he gets killed in the first episode, First actually. episode. Oh, my Done. God. That's hilarious. Yep. 
If anyone out there has a watch Topper's Island, go go check it out. It's a slasher wedding story. Wedding story. <laughs> <laughs> All right, excellent. I'm gonna pick low hanging fruit because I'm gonna go Burgess Meredith as well. But okay. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna flip it on its head a little bit, and I'm gonna go for arguably one of the best 30 minutes that um, television's probably ever given us. And I got to go time enough at last from the Twilight Zone. Break that one down real quick. So. Season one of the Twilight Zone is interesting because that show's still trying to like find its legs and it's experimenting with science fiction and horror and it's a really interesting bag. But here you get a story of a man who survives a nuclear apocalypse locked in a bank vault. And all this man wants to do is just read books. He's got time enough at last because humanity has been destroyed. <laughs> Not to mention whatever, whatever nuclear fallout is going to do to this man's body, but he has time to read some books at last. And oh my God, the most tragic finale of like any of these shows is he's going to finally sit. He like spends the whole episode like looking around and he gets his pile of books and he's going to finally read his books and bust his glasses. Oh, and he can't, and it's been established in the episode, this man cannot see without them. Mm. He's fucked. And then now he's got time to wither and die and not see anything. And the only thing that was going to bring in happiness was reading. Oh, my God. Awesome. Rod Serling's maybe one of the best writers of all time, especially in the medium of television. I put kind of film in combined with that. Like for him to come up with like hundreds of those episodes and they're all so twisty and unique in their own right. Like that man was busy. But yeah. like he was in a headspace where he knew to come up with so many interesting scenarios. But that's easily if you look on like top Twilight Zone episodes, that's always like in the conversation. Give him the name of that one again. Time enough at last. Time enough at last. Yep, good stuff. Yeah, he's great in that. I love him as the Penguin, but I'm you know I'm a Batman guy. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. With the, I probably would have picked Talia Shire as Connie Corleone. Uh, just because she's not, she doesn't give the best performance in that film because she's got to deal with the heavyweights that are Marlon Brando and Pacino and James Caan and Robert Duvall and John Cazale. <laughs> Big cast. Uh, anyone else? A Bogota, like all these guys just vying for attention. But she's so important to the plot of one and two that it doesn't happen. The Godfather, the opening thing, it's her wedding. Like it, this is happening because of her. Right. It's how important she is. Uh, yeah, yeah it's, I, I probably would choose that one. The other one, too, we have to mention, again, not my choice, but if you like noir, which I do, you can't but recognize Burt Young's performance in Chinatown. Again, not my choice. Could mm -hmm. be. Yeah. I prefer Burgess Meredith for my own personal reasons. Yeah. But there is a cast in this that plays second fiddle to Stallone's Rocky that did okay for themselves. Yeah. Quietly. I like Carl Weathers as uh Jackson Jackson. And Happy Gilmore's pro uh mentor. Mandalorian too. <laughs> That's right. He was in that. In a couple episodes, I think. And Predator. We can't forget Predator. No, we can't. Excellent. Dutch. Oh, well, this has been a lot of, this has been a lot of fun talking about Rocky Two, the sequel to this smash hit Rocky. And this film was its own smash in its own right. And we're just continuing this train along. From nineteen eighty two next week, we'll be discussing Rocky Three which really ups the ante in spectacle and body specimen drugs. Oh my God. Stallone is like Ripped. shredded. Mm -hmm. yeah, he's still, you get good muscle mass in this one, but like, like there's not like definition, like his abs are like all those like muscles that like no human ever has. Uh, Beautiful. In this next one, comic bookie. Oh my God. He's just, yeah. and then by the time you get to the last fight, yikes. Like it's like, 
Yeah. He's looking good. Yep. Uh, yeah, I'm excited because then yeah, Clubber Lang get to talk about another iconic villain. Mis- and now we're going to get into the 80s. And this is going to be interesting because this is like you're like a kid now, like watching these unfold in the theaters and like seeing this like for real. But another formidable villain, like I'll never forget the sequences of him training in like his dungeon apartment, like literally doing like pull up curls with like these rope strings on the banisters. Like, what is that? To me, the scariest of all the Rocky opposition in the entire film. Yeah. Clubber Lang. Yeah. He's great. I can't wait to talk about the punches. We talked a little bit about it this week, but the punches that Clubber Lang throws Mm. are straight from the bowels of hell. Yeah. With that blood spittle on his white mouthpiece. Oh my God. It's beautiful. I can't wait to talk about it. It's going to be all about the eye of the tiger. Survivor. Excellent. So you got that coming next week. So cheers. Cheers. Cheers, Matt. I'm gotta go in the backyard. I'm gonna go chase the chicken around. I'm gonna see if we talked about it. It's like I wonder if that's kind of hard to actually do. I bet it is. I bet I'm gonna be out there a real long time. Uh, I'll catch the chicken and then we'll 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 cook him. I'll cook him on this new smoker that I got. As long as it doesn't flog the dolphin before you catch the chicken. Excellent. We'll see you all next week, everybody. Everybody have a great week. We'll see you in the dark. Thank you for listening to Rye Smile Films. Be sure to subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Podbean, Stitcher. Tune in wherever you get your podcasts. And if you like what you're hearing, be sure to leave us a five-star review. We'd greatly appreciate it. Rocky Two is property of United Artists and Chartoff Winkler Productions, and no copyright infringement is intended. Until next time, cheers. Except for my kid being born, this is the greatest night in the history of my life. I just want to say one thing to my wife who's home. Yo, Adrian! I did it!